Where does your money go? Time to figure that out. According to an America Trade survey, 40% of single people spend their entire paychecks every month. Are you single and don't give a single fuck what people think about that? Enter into a truly rewarding relationship with someone who fits like a glove. You. This is a day in the life of happily single. Welcome to Day in the Life of Happily Single podcast. I am your happily single host, Brooke Bevan. Today, we are going to be talking money matters, budgeting and finances. And I have a special guest, Jolie Viggers. She's a financial coach who owns Wellbeing Coaching, is going to talk with us today. Welcome, Jolie. Thank you so much, Brooke. It's so great to be here. And I love supporting new entrepreneurs and new podcasts. And I love to talk about money. So this is a a great place for me to be. Well, we're happy to have you. So let's give our audience a little bit of background on you. So what makes you qualified to be a financial coach? It's really an interesting industry. It's just getting into more mainstream now, but I'll tell you a little bit about my story. First of all, I grew up in Saskatchewan and I was on a grain farm and in grade 10, I knew I wanted to be an accountant. Like how nerdy is that? (laughs) I know from there, I was a tiny, small town, 10 people in my graduating class, that kind of small town. Then I moved to Calgary and I got my business degree. And then I took some more classes and then I got my CMA designation. And that was what feels like eons ago, but it was almost 20 years ago. So then I got to be a professional accountant and that's what I did for a long time, working mostly with small entrepreneurial businesses up until the role where I was the controller which most people aren't really even sure what that is, but that's the head accountant that would report to say a CFO, except we didn't have one. I was the controller for a multi-million dollar company here uh, in Calgary. Then for a while, I decided, you know what? I don't need to work. And this is a beautiful place to be. Then I ended up taking another role that is also a controllership, but it's only part-time. In doing that, I had so much extra time. I did a ton of volunteering. I work with CPA as a mentor. I've also been working with CRIAC, and that's an immigrant employment agency here in Calgary, working with new Canadians trying to find work as accountants. And I'm just celebrating 11 years with junior achievement, which means that I'm present. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. That means that I'm presenting all things money and business and entrepreneurship to kids from grade five to 12. That's been so fun. In doing that, I decided, you know what? That's the part that lights me up. Compared to the debits and credits of paying the bills and all that kind of stuff with accounting, working with the people is what really inspires me right when I can see their their faces change like "Ah, I get it that's been just the best so that's how I started my business two and a half years ago I took a financial coaching course I've done lots of other ones since then with my accounting background of course the number part is easy but really what I focus on working with my clients is all about their mindset about money because that's what drives it all. It's not about the debits and credits. It's not the numbers. It's the mindset that is absolutely the key. 
Yes, I believe that. So why is it important for single people to get their finances in order? I think number one, it's important for everyone to get their finances in order. And I work with lots of single people. I also work with lots of couples, but it's especially important for single people to take care of their finances because you don't have that partner to fall back on. You're a single income household essentially at that point. And so there is an inherent risk in that you need to make sure that you are stable and secure on your own in case worst case scenario ever happens. When someone is first looking at their finances, what would be the first thing that you would look at? Congratulations for taking a look because I say this all the time. The number one issue with people and their money is they're simply not paying attention. Step number one, let's pay attention. Take a look at your money and you will be already miles ahead. When you start to take a look at your money, I always, again, roll it back to some sort of a, an accounting mindset but we wanna know where we're at first, right? Before we can get too excited about our future plans and all the great goals and things that we want to do, first off, we have to decide, okay, where are we starting from? When I work with my clients, it's often to talk about, first of all, we talk about mindset because that's what matters more than anything else. Then when it comes to the numbers, net worth. This is actually pretty simple, but people don't often do it because it's scary to think about. And people are unsure what the numbers are going to look like. I see it very overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. And you're worried that it's going to come out to a number that's generally worse. You're worried that it's going to be worse than it actually is. Your net worth is simply everything that you own. That's all your assets. And then you subtract everything that you owe. That's all your liabilities, right? So your house minus your mortgage, right? That net number. And of course, all of the other things involved there as well. We start with net worth. You are here. That's all that is. It's one tool. It's one tracker, okay? And then we get into the nitty gritty details and we talk about things like, what has my spending looked like in the past? And how do we feel about it? So the next thing that I would encourage people to do is just to track their spending, their money in and their money out for two or three months and look back in history and say, okay, that was old me. And now I'm going to be looking forward And I'm going to make some changes for all those numbers that I feel a little bit icky about. I'm going to make some changes because I want future me to look and feel different. Do you find that when people are looking back, like how far do you go back? Like really? Well, it's interesting because we're still in the pandemic right now. And so our spending habits have absolutely changed in the last year. I don't know what they're going to look like in six months or even next year. I don't know if we're going to return to normal like it was in, say, 2019. A lot of the lockdowns started happening in early 2020. 
So, but like the changes actually started happening in like late 19. But through all of this, we've also changed. We've adapted, we've set new priorities, and maybe we don't want to return back to the way that we were in 2019. And we've all become addicted to Amazon shopping. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That whole convenience has become more important because we aren't just scooting out doing all the things all the time anymore either. As a coach, you probably see a lot of issues that you can spot pretty easy that become pretty regular for single people. What are some of those red flags or potholes that you see that pertain to single people in their budgeting and their finances? I'll say it again, not paying attention is number one, every single time. Once you get over that hurdle, some of the bigger things is, I don't know if whatever it is, $500 on groceries is high or low or just right. And you don't have a partner to necessarily bounce those ideas off of. In a couple, the husband can say, we're spending too much money on groceries. Or the wife can say, I don't have enough budget for spending money on groceries or whatever it looks like. But if you're a single person, all of those decisions are on you. And sometimes it's hard to know, is this legit? Am I high or am I low? How do I feel about it? It's really important then as a financial coach that I get to be that sounding board and that partner to help guide those conversations and to also be that accountability to say, let's sit down and look at this every week or every month to say, how did we do and how do we feel about it? And it all depends on region too, where you're living. So for those of you in Canada, you guys understand that like higher food prices are here than compared to the United States where things are actually quite a bit cheaper down there. From my point of view, talking to other people, especially in the talking about finances, that when I talk to a couple, especially here in Lethbridge, Alberta, they're like, oh, for the family of three, we spend $500 a month on groceries. And I'm like, I'm a single person and I spend 500 bucks a month on groceries. Like, how do you guys do it? Because I must be doing something really wrong because I'm same as a third people household. Sometimes those differences are there and sometimes it's still legitimate and that's fine. I have lots of clients that have uh, dietary restrictions or they want to eat organic or all these different things. Absolutely, their costs are going to be higher. But you know what? That's okay because that's what they value. They just won't be able to spend higher than average on all the categories. So you have to decide what's most important to you and spend your money there. I'm not here to say you can't spend money. I'm here to say, spend it on the things you really care about, the things you value and cut it out of the nonsense. Yeah. It's like the, the saying, what was it? It's I can be as high maintenance as I want to. I pay my own bills. (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) And as a single person, it's true. But the thing is, you have to still afford those bills. And you have to take a look at it every once in a while so that you can have that gut check to say, "Ah, do I really need all of these subscriptions? Are they really serving me? If you don't have a partner to bring that up, It's on you to take that hard look Mm -hmm. to say, where is my money going? And am I cool with that? Yeah. Those subscriptions are a tricky one for a single person. I actually got creative. I have a friend's group 
and we each pay for a family subscription and then we share it all. So my budget is only $15 for, let's say, three TV subscription services. We each pay for one and then share. And that brought our cost down like hugely. It's just mm-hmm. being smarter. <laughs> Sometimes they're going to be cracking down on that. But I would really just challenge you to say, how much do you really need? I do this all the time with our whole family as well to say, are we really getting value from all of these different services? A minimalist kind of a thought process to it. Do I really need it or do I not need it? I think that just comes naturally to me. It doesn't come naturally to everyone though. But once you start aligning all of your spending with what you value, then it becomes much more clear to say, Yeah, no, I would rather have security in retirement, although that is not sexy. I know. (laughs) But if you can decide, you know what, I want to hit these other goals. I want to go to Hawaii. I want to max my TFSA. I want to become debt free. If those things are more important than easy thing is, oh, Starbucks every day, then I want you to be empowered to make those decisions. A single female, like I know a lot of women love like shopping for shoes. Mm -hmm. Not me. I love shopping for tech. (laughs) So I could totally get that. Just thinking like back, like I have ADHD. I have a very low impulse control. So are there like stuff you can teach people like me to do those controls in place? So the easiest, I shouldn't say the easiest, the most common, the most obvious thing is to have a budget. And nobody really likes that word because it seems like it's going to be super restrictive. I even joke with my clients that I call it the BDGT. It's the four letter word nobody wants to talk about is the budget. And when you do that though, and you allow yourself to spend on those categories that mean something to you. And so for you, if that's tech and you decide, you know what, I'm cool with spending $100, $500, whatever it is in that category every month, then you make the rest of your spending fit around that. And then you're free. When, because you've done the budget, you're like, hey, I know I have this much that I can spend. And away we go. Then you can choose. You can do it on the first of the month or you can you know, save it up until that 31st of the month. But that's all you're allowed to spend that month. But you will have that newfound freedom to think, I have no guilt about it because it's in the budget. I planned for this. A couple other ideas too. If you're an online shopper, leave it in your cart overnight. Leave it for 24 hours. And if you really need or want it, then the next day, Go ahead. Make sure that it's just in the plan. That's it. I run on a theory personally. I have to sell something in order to purchase something new. If I want Mm -hmm. it, I have to get rid of something. And I found for myself personally, it really started to get me honest about how much I was buying new stuff that I really didn't need. Yeah. And for clothing, that's a, an easy, obvious one, right? If you need a new sweater, which sweater is leaving? Which sweater do you not love that is this new one is going to replace, right? Yeah. I'm a minimalist by nature. So I'm constantly going through my stuff and I run on a rule that if I haven't used it in a year, it's gone. So you either sell it or donate it or trash it. And I'm a big fan of donating because I got lots of gently used goods and there's programs out there that need them. So I'm always happy to donate. 
it's really amazing that we've been going through my parents' house because they're married. They're actually renovating right now. And the sheer amount of stuff that they have accumulated in this house is insane. So Mm -hmm. we've actually been putting the process of filing some of it out. But as a single person, I'm like, if I had to move. And again, that's all on you, right? Yeah. And especially you don't have kids that are going to sort through all of your stuff when you're old or after you've passed away. That's going to be on somebody else to take care of. So I can see where naturally that is something that you're very conscious of. I'm going to flip gears here for a sec and actually talk about the accountability partner thing. So I know as a coach, you're an accountability partner, but how does the average single person have an accountability partner maybe to discuss those big purchases with? It's tricky. And this is a mission that I'm working towards is to normalize talking about money because it's been such a taboo topic for so long, but then people are left in the dark and they don't know. And it's always a touchy subject because of course we don't need to keep up with the Joneses. And it's not about comparison, but I really want people just to be talking and normalizing to say, hey, are you using your TFSA? And are you investing in it? And did your financial institution, were they helpful with that or whatever? I just want those kinds of conversations, not to say, hey, I maxed mine out. Why haven't you maxed yours out? It's not about that, but it is about sharing information and you know, seeing what's working for other people and maybe having some other options. Yeah. I I actually started this exact conversation. I'm very lucky. I have a very smart younger brother who's Ah. very financially adapt is a word I'm going to use. (laughs) And like things I just was not thinking of money is a tough one for me personally. Like I have zero impulse control. I almost need someone to be in charge of my money and tell me what I'm allowed to buy and what I'm not allowed to buy because I'm that bad. Mm -hmm. And But he is really geared towards learning the finance part of retirement. Like you have to be ready for retirement. And I'm actually using my younger brother as an accountability partner because he's, did you put your money into your investments this month? Did you put money away for your rainy day fund? Did you pay down your debt? And I'm very fortunate that he's willing to talk to me about those things. Yeah. And I didn't have that before this last year. I never talked about money before the last year, but I am super more conscious about everything now because Mm -hmm. I'm 37 years old. Like I really have to think about retirement. And as someone who chose at a very young age that I wanted to stay single and be single for life. If I knew what I know now, back then, my gosh, I would be in such a winning position at this age. that I wouldn't even have to think about retirement because it would already be taken care of. So but you know what? Uh, everybody can say that, right? Best time to plant a tree was 40 years ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, we know. The next best time, how about right today? Now. Lots of people will also say, they didn't teach us in school. Yeah, there's lots of things that we didn't learn in school but we did it because it was important to us. Nobody knew how to use uh, any of the social media platforms back 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. They didn't even exist, Yeah, but we figured it out. Guess what? We can figure out the finances Yeah, And I think that's one of the things that we have to get that mindset. It's never going to be perfect, but starting Mm -hmm. now rather than later is probably the biggest thing. 
because financially, as a single person, we actually really have to think about this because what happens if you get sick? How is that going to be afforded? Are you going to have to pay for someone to take care of you? Are you do you have insurance that's going to help you? You have to think of all that. But then as you retire, like this was actually hit me hard, like maybe four or five months ago when I retire and I'm old, who's going to take care of me? Mm-hmm. I don't have kids. I don't have a spouse. If I'm super fortunate, I can probably con my nieces into taking care of me, but <laughs> I don't want that for them. I want them to go out and live their own life. I don't want someone to have to spend their life looking after me. So that means I have to think of retirement homes and nursing homes and hospitals. And how am I going to get around when I can't drive anymore? And how much is enough? Right. That's a big question. Like when you're retiring as a couple, there's different things to look at, but as a single person, it's, this is all on you. And what do you need to do to get there to be safely retired and still enjoy your life? I know a lot of people like myself, we work really hard through our lives, mm-hmm. expecting to enjoy our retirements. But what happens? What if something happens? Yes, absolutely. And I think that through this whole pandemic, it's also become much more apparent as well in not having the job security that you thought you had in 2019 and suddenly the whole world's upside down in 2020. And here we are still trying to survive and struggle through all of this here in 2021. So we don't know what our future is going to hold. So having that security, that safety net is so important. And I think it's been really brought into the the light is shining on it here now. Yeah, for sure. Because there's lots of conversation. Like I know a lot of people who've lost their jobs permanently because mm-hmm. the businesses they worked for the last 30 years, the employers are going, I'm just going to shut down because I'm old enough to retire. And yeah. let's just not take the stress of having to run a business during a pandemic. And they just shut mm-hmm. everything down. And all of a sudden, all these employees are honestly out of work. And some of them have been around like with the company for 27 years. And all of a sudden there's nothing. And in personal finance, we always talk about an emergency fund where most people can't afford a $400 emergency, that kind of a thing. And finding an emergency fund, properly funding that and It doesn't have to be huge. You start small and then when you hit that goal, you celebrate it. And then you might want to bump up that emergency fund to a next tier, next higher level. So that's your next goal. But to have that security is huge. It feels completely different psychologically. It's still the same math. I know when the dishwasher breaks or when, you know, the dog goes to the vet, I know it sucks having to pay that thousand dollars, but if you've done the responsible thing and you have a thousand dollars sitting in your emergency fund, yeah, you can do that because you've done the adulting to have that there and ready. Adulting's not fun, but we all have to do it at some (laughs) point. And I'm the girl that refuses to grow up. Another thing that I was wanting to ask about is I know they have programs like the cash based and all that stuff, but I know here in Canada, we hardly deal in cash anymore. Like we're all online. Like how do you keep that 
momentum and the honesty up when you have a plastic thing that you can just swipe? Everybody is different. I have one of my older clients. She has a tiny little notebook that she records every transaction in. With her pen and paper, she records it all that way. Lots of people will just use a spreadsheet and lots of people are using an app. And there's tons of apps out there that you can use to keep track of what you're spending. And some of them are also very popular for budgeting as well to say, you know what, we're going to spend $500 on groceries. Okay. And by the 20th of the month, if you spent $400, then okay, I only have a hundred bucks left for the last 10 days, how am I gonna make this work? And so it's just bringing that consciousness to your everyday spending. So do you see after, like when people start working with you after three or four months, it becomes quite a bit easier for them because it's become a habit? Not just the habit of the spending, but the thought process behind it, really evaluating what do you really want? What do you want more? Do you wanna be debt-free? Or do you want Amazon shopping? And that is the biggest win, right? I can't, I don't get to tout that, oh, my client paid off a million dollars of debt or my client now has a million dollars in the bank. No, because it's a slow process and because it's not about the dollars. It's about the whole Mm -hmm. mindset shift to say, I'm now living in alignment with where I want my money to go feels right because it's serving my values. It's bringing me happiness or pride or joy. And that is worth it. Are you also seeing with single people that they have a higher debt ratio by chance? Or are they more likely not to have that debt because it's harder for them to get? I would not be able to make a blanket statement like that because everybody is so different. different. I suppose if you were to take a look at housing, then yes, it would probably be higher because a lot of my clients do own their house. And so that's based upon a single income family compared to my couples who have sometimes, but not always, a dual income for their family, potentially, but everybody's story is so different. different. And whether it's consumer spending, going into debt for buying cars or things on your credit card, or whether it's housing or student loans, there's so many different ways Mm -hmm. that people have accumulated debt. But I would not be able to say that it's a higher ratio for my single clients. No. Okay. Because I know like with myself, like when I was in debt, Like when you talk about mindset, like honestly, being in debt was making me sick, like physically sick. Mm -hmm. And then I busted my butt and got out of debt. So I'm a cash oriented person. Like I don't have, I don't even have a credit card because it makes me sick to have it. So do you try to move people away from like getting their debts paid off first into living a more cash-based life where that mindset might be a little bit healthier? Yes and no. Like when you talk cash, I don't mean, it doesn't mean that my clients have to use like the cash envelope system where mm-hmm. payday, you take out hundred dollars and put it in this envelope for groceries and $20 for this envelope. I am, I'm not, my clients can do that. I don't prescribe any particular way 
because it's about finding what works for them. And every client is so, so very different. individual. Yep. Yep. So it's all customized to them. And I agree with you, like in, in Canada, it's so popular just to tap your card, whether it's your debit or your credit. Yeah. That is the way that most people do their purchases. Now. You don't even need the and cards so- anymore. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I know. It's scary. Guess, to why, me. <laughs> guess why they want to do that is because you're going to spend more. Yeah. 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 So it's really more about that whole bringing it home. What do you want more? Which would you rather is the question that I ask my clients all the time. And after we work through all of this, it becomes so much more clear. I've had some clients selling cars and trucks and RVs, even their house to say, you know what? I don't care about the big house. I want to go on holidays every year. I'm prepared to downsize. Are you seeing that shift now where people aren't wanting the big properties and wanting smaller? Yeah, absolutely. I'm starting to see that too, especially because here in Lethbridge, there is very little in the way of small, like everything here is built big Mm. and people are just turning away from that now. They'd rather have a smaller house and a bigger yard so they can enjoy their outdoor space more or have a smaller house and be able to travel or have Mm -hmm. a a vacation property that they can enjoy during the summer. There's a lot of talk of that online right now, which I find really fascinating. And I think it's the whole minimalism and the tiny home concept is really intriguing because people are now saddled with so much stuff that they don't want to have to deal with. And are you seeing a shift from the older generation to a younger generation in the mindset around the money and the purchases? No, I haven't really seen a lot between the older and younger. I think that everybody, especially in the last year and a half, everybody's just been so much more aware of security. Now, whether you're 20 and you're paying off student loans or you're 60 and you're looking to retire, security looks different for sure, but that is definitely what's coming to the forefront, right? What spot would you recommend someone that has never looked at their finances? Like, how would you encourage them to actually reach out and get some assistance in getting on track? Of course, I'm a coach and I love to do this, but you don't necessarily need a coach. There is a ton of information online and in the libraries or you go to your bookstore. There is a ton of information there. The only caution, though, is that it can be very overwhelming because where do you even start? Like the personal finance section is ginormous. And so then how do you choose? And then you have a hundred apps and a hundred websites and a hundred books. And everybody, of course, learns differently. Yeah. And even just looking on YouTube, there are so many personalities there that you can find out who you jive with. And it takes some time and you're going to play around a little bit. Just be like, oh, that guy is way too technical for me. And we're moving on to this girl instead or whatever Mm -hmm. it looks like. But absolutely, if you want to talk with people, even start following some of the accounts just to get familiar. So snoop around on Instagram or in Facebook, be like, oh, hey, they're talking about, Debt repayment. What does that look like? 
and just get familiar with some of the terminology and the strategies. And then hopefully you'll be inspired to take that to the next level and do it yourself. You are a Canadian coach. So I'm going to yep. say this to my American friends, hire a Canadian coach because everything up here is more expensive. So we're used to dealing with higher numbers and then it's better for you guys, but hiring a Canadian coach is actually cheaper for you because you get a better exchange rate. Yeah. <laughs> Jolie, I know you do one-on-one coaching. That's your, probably mm-hmm. your most popular because you get to go in depth with a client, but I know you do group coaching. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? So for people out there, group coaching can be less scary because you're in a group with people just like yourself. (laughs) I started doing these and I call them my Kickstarter courses because they're just a primer to give the whole education piece so that by the time my clients come out of that, they're ready to be like, okay, now I can take action. And I've developed them to be at a a more cost-friendly Um, price point because not everyone can do the full private one-on-one coaching with me. This is an easier introduction also even to what coaching is like and what I am like. I have three different programs for that. My first one is debt repayment Kickstarter. And so of course, what we're talking about there is all the different strategies and how to get your mindset around that and which one's going to work for you. What does that look like? And setting up some goals. Then I have another one that's called my cash flow clarity. This one is perfect for everyone that says, I make good money, but I don't know why I feel so broke. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we're going to get some clarity on what's happening with your cash flow. Same kind of thing. And then my most popular one is my wealth builder Kickstarter. And that's all about investing. Whether you do it yourself or you use an advisor, it's using the terminology and getting that education piece so that you really understand what your money is doing for you. So with my Kickstarters, they're generally like small group up to only eight people and they're virtual and they're five sessions where we get to meet and talk all things money. And I love to do that. I know with smaller groups, it gives you time to ask the questions and to get clarity. I know I've been in some pretty big group sessions before and when you have that many people questions get lost but the smaller groups are really nice and it's less intimidating especially for someone who's just getting started and not only that but it's also the camaraderie because then everyone in there you're all in the same boat you're all there to learn the same kinds of things and so if you've got a question somebody else is probably thinking that same question and it's all done live as well and so if I'm talking about something you're like wait I missed that can you go over it again no problem and so that's really a benefit as well compared to just having an online course or a webinar where you know you just log in and watch it This is totally interactive. And that's what I love because then I get to see my clients' faces be like, oh, now I get it. Yeah. I've had those moments where I'm like, oh, (laughs) I was totally doing that wrong. (laughs) Yeah. I should have thought that one through. (laughs) (laughs) And I've wasted a bunch of money doing the yeah shit you can't always be perfect with your money I am not always perfect with my money it's a learning experience even my parents are still learning with their money so 
I hope that we continue to learn until we're old. With this interview, we're actually going to make it available for anyone who's listening. If you want to reach out to Jolie, we're going to have the links in the the bios and in the blog posts. And if you go onto the email list, we'll actually email you Jolie's programs so that you guys can have them at your fingertips. It's a great way to uh, support this channel. We are a new channel. We are just getting started. So by supporting Jolie, you actually are going to be supporting us and you'll be supporting yourselves. So I definitely encourage everybody to reach out to Jolie and even just ask her questions, start that conversation. So how can people get a hold of you, Jolie? The best place probably to find me where I'm most active is on my Instagram. And so my company's name is Wellbeing Coaching. And I want to go over that just real quick. Because yeah, go right ahead. Well, so well, being healthy and fit and all of that, everybody wants that. Being playing off the word being a little bit, but also because I'm a bean counter. So I had to throw that in there and coaching because that's what I do. So well-being coaching is who I am on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook. I watch my stories in both of those places. I'm also on the web at wellbeingcoaching.com. And I also have, for your single lady listeners, I have a Facebook group called the Canadian Ladies Money Club. It's a group on Facebook and we talk all things money and there's new posts every day and lots of chatter, just normalizing the conversations around money. Nice. I thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here today. You are my very first interview for the show. So I'm really excited (laughs) to have you. And because money was such a big thing for me as a single person. And I knew I just had to talk about this. And For the gentlemen out there, don't feel like you're being left out. We still love you. We still going to have the programs for you. Thank you for joining us. And everyone, please take a moment to check out the blog page, sign up for the emails. You're going to also find me on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. So thank you. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much, Brooke. It's always fun to talk money. And I encourage everyone to continue these conversations, not necessarily with a spouse, obviously, but with your girlfriends and your guy friends and your brothers and your sisters and your parents, just normalize the conversations talking about money. Even though she's happily single, Brooke is also happily aware of all her listeners. Thank you for tuning in. And if you have a subject or question you would like to hear talked about on the show, please comment below. Stay safe, stay sassy, stay single, and stay tuned in to more episodes of A Day in the Life of Happily Single. 